Afternoon, everyone. Um, so I'm really, really excited about this um, next speaker. We have uh, Chris Rowson, who is the Executive Creative Director and Head of Design um, from TBWA, Chiat Day in New York. And he's going to be talking about the fundamentals of typography and how to use type creatively in a variety of ways. So please put your hands together to give him a very warm welcome to the stage. Um, so, great to meet you all. Thank you all for turning up. Um, so yeah, just to reiterate, I'm from TBWA in New York and um, head of design, but also founded Design by Disruption, which is our dedicated design and maker agency. There's about 15 of us now and we're, we're all obsessed with typography, so this seemed like the perfect place to come and talk about it. Um, so the talk is called Type Everything, and essentially it's an A to Z or Z of typography, um, which seemed like a great idea when I was putting it together until we get to the end and it starts to become a little bit tenuous. So you can bear with me on that. Um, so we're gonna go straight into A. Um, so A is for anatomy. So if you understand the building blocks of typography, you understand the impact these elements have on typesetting, readability, legibility, and pretty much everything else which follows in this presentation. So when I talk about anatomy of the typography, it's learning about really kind of like the, the basics of it, whether it's the ascenders, the bowls, the descenders, the stems, the balls, the terminals, like all of these elements. I'm not gonna go through all of this right now because I'll be here for about six hours. But for me, you know, a great bit of advice is to go in and like if you're into typography, if you're into design, if you're an art director in advertising, Learn about this, geek up about it. Um, again, like understanding all of these elements will help you understand composition, it will help you understand negative space, and understanding those kind of fundamentals of design will really help you when you're kind of like getting into layout, when you're getting into conceptual design. Um, so B is for brands. So whether typography is the brand logo type or their corporate font, it's an essential design element for every brand working in advertising, working in design, you know, this is pretty much like the first thing we look at every time we open a brief. Um, type can communicate the personality of the brand. They can make them seem positive. They can make them seem friendly, childish, funny, et cetera, et cetera. They can, you know, it can like really bring out any emotion that you want to drive. So when you're, when you're working on building, whether it's a corporate font or Selecting a corporate font or working on the logo type, like really think about what is the emotion, what is the feeling you want to convey with typography because that's going to affect the whole brand and the whole perception people and audiences have of your brand. Um, C is for color. So the use of color can help create hierarchy within typography. It's also, again, another element that can change the personality of your work, of the brand. And, and drive a completely different emotion. I'm gonna kind of travel back in time, and I remember when I was um, studying, it was at like Middlesex University, Barnet College back in the day, and this was like the first test they did on us, or to teach us about typography, they used McDonald's as a case study. So like McDonald's, the restaurants, they used to have like a lot of red, really red heavy back in the day, but actually the, the feeling that, that gave people was kind of like agitation and slight bit of anxiety. And they found that people were actually like getting extremely restless in their, in their stores. 
So like one of the big things that they, they did, they changed, was actually kind of to reduce the amount of red and kind of like open up the white space, which then totally changed after they did studies, like changed, you know, like how people reacted and responded. So imagine if we applied that, that thinking, color psychology to typography, we can really drive similar emotions. Um, D is for digital, so long time typography was confined to the realm of paper. We've seen traditional print mediums shift to the digital, I have because I'm kind of old, um, shift to the digital world and with this evolution we've seen like a um, shift in the functionality of typography. So you know whenever you're designing be mindful of pixels and screen sizes is even more important than ever now because screen sizes, pixel you know, um, resolutions are constantly changing so it's important that we keep up to date with you know, the most up-to-date fonts and trends as well, and then what are, what are the most functional. Um, another way you can use digital typography, this is actually an example of a project I worked on, was for social. So not just functional digital typography, like the font that we use and we read, we can actually use typography in a creative way. We had this um, really small brief from the Bank of New York, and it was to promote themselves at Art Basel because they understand investments, they understand investments in art. So they had all of these facts about investments going on in, in the digital world, and they wanted to bring it to life with what could have been like really boring typography and numbers and data. And then we kind of came back with this idea was, what if we disguise the data as art? So we ended up creating this really, you know, kind of modern, beautiful 3D typeface, and actually two typefaces of numbers that we could actually like pair together and then actually like pump out social assets in real life. And because it's digital, obviously like everything moves on our screens nowadays. So again, it was like an excuse to actually bring this typography to life with movement. Um, I'm gonna play a little case study which will articulate the whole project much better than I just did. Here we go. Thank you. 
So it's pretty interesting when you see the power of typography like, and applying it to like digital and social channels that it, it can actually like help drive business. Like, who would have who would have thought that? Um, so E is for experiment. Um, some of my favorite type projects that I've worked on myself or have like stumbled across online on a design blog have like a lot of the time started off as a personal experiment or project. So you know, as like young up, um, up there upcoming designers, like, I really like urge you to just go out and experiment and don't be afraid to fail. Just try new things, try new techniques. There's so many possibilities out there. Um, F is for font. Um, in metal typesetting, a font is a particular size, weight, and style of, type, um, of type, a typeface. Each font was a matched set of type. But nowadays, we refer to a font as the digital file that contains, describes the typeface. And then a typeface is the design of the alphabet, the shape of the letters that make up the type style, the letters, numbers, and symbols that make up a design of type. So when you say Arial or Gaudi, you're talking about a set of letters in a specific style. So it's just, you know, again, like anyone into typography, anyone who's becoming a designer or an art director, just like go back and learn like the, the historical the, um, context of, of type and fonts and where they come from. Because again, it's something you can bring forward nowadays. Why not kind of like use some of the old traditional techniques rather than like leaning into digital and all the fancy 3D bits of software that we've got, even though that's great and fun. Um, G is for generative. So, you know, this is, we're flipping it around now from like the origins of, of fonts to um, something much more modern. Um, in the years before the digital eras, designers had a set of punches and chisels. Now we have a mouse and a keyboard. Um, instead of being carved or sketched, type can be generated by algorithms that can churn out a variety of forms. So we can generate typography using environmental, social, and even an individual's data, and like, or data, as we call it in America. Um, but I actually saw some really interesting typography projects when I was walking around the festival, and I was like really excited to see there was like three, I saw three specific, I'm sure there were more, but there was like three really interesting generative typography projects and concepts out there. So that was like a real surprise from when I came. Like if, you know, when I started coming eight years ago to the festival, that wasn't even a thing, but now it's out there, which is great. Um, I'm gonna show you a project which I worked on a few years ago. And this, this is kind of, I was like my first attempt of getting into generative typography. And it was a project for the Webby Awards. Sorry, DNAD. Um, and essentially, it was to celebrate the um, 20 years of the people's voice, which kind of like let people vote with their voice. So we literally, we took that, we took that brief very literally. So that was a prototype, that wasn't the final thing, don't worry. But essentially you came up with this, this idea called type voice, and it would allow people to create typography using their voice. And then when we actually kind of like analyzed, you know, like sound, voice, like what could, what could those elements be that would help generate it? So we looked into like volume, obviously, you know, that's, that's something we can turn up and down like that. And then also pitch. And then when you combine those two elements with time lapse, you can pretty much get like an infinite amount of results. So that was our initial test and you can see that volume was affecting kind of like the, the strokes, like the amount of strokes and then pitch was affecting or frequency was affecting, you know, like whether it was like italicized or not. So then like the big challenge, the really fun challenge was then we kind of put the whole team to work and we actually started designing the fonts. 
but we had to design about 10 different states for each letter so we could see how it would and then apply that to frequency volume. So these are just a few examples. You can imagine me talking, saying my name, or Bastian, or Lucas, or Akiko. You could even kind of go in and create your own font as well and then download it. And again, I've got another little film case study which you can watch, which will articulate it much better than I. Yeah, that's a really interesting area to start playing in if you're interested in typography, front-end development. What's great about this project as well that it wasn't just like the designers who worked on this or the creatives who came up with it. It was like a real broad mix of skill sets. We had like creative technologists, front-end developers. We had an animator who had to teach himself how to animate by coding SVG animations. We had back-end developers. So it was like a real team effort to kind of build this project. I think there was like maybe 12, 15 creatives involved in this. Um, H is for handmade. So type began life as a series of strokes on cave walls, then evolved into elegant scripts on paper. And then um, craftsmen engraved mathematically precise words onto marble. And then industrialization required the hands of fontsmiths to actually create letterpress. But then the digital revolution took type to the screen. But then you know, like there's been a resurgence in actual handmade type, but in a very different way. So like thanks to designers like Sagmeister and Walsh, Craig Ward, Sean Freeman, we've seen like a huge resurgence in handmade typography and they, they kind of like really get experimental and play with materials. So I think this is a great area to play with. This was um, Sean Freeman, amazing typographer. He's based around London. This was one by Craig Ward, I believe. He's kind of, he's a, he's a Brit, he's in the US. More by Sean, and then some, some work by Sagmeister. But just like really beautiful examples how you can kind of 
use the context to drive like how you're making it with your hands and why. Um, eyes for illustration. So illustration can be used to create funny, beautiful, powerful images. The styles, techniques, and possibilities are endless. So think about using characters, objects, or patterns that bring your types to life. Um, another example of a project I worked on was for um, Big Mac, McDonald's. It was to celebrate 50 years of the Big Mac. And the idea was basically like showing how things have changed, how everything has changed over the last 50 years apart from the Big Mac. So we literally turned the patties into typography. And this was kind of like the first sketch of the brief. And rather than trying to illustrate everything so it looked the same like this and use the same typography and the same color palette, you know, we, we kind of challenged ourselves to make 50 unique posters using these headlines and then use different illustration styles to bring them to life. So you can see this was kind of the final result, but just to show you like the possibilities, how you can use typography. So everything from 3D typography to 16-bit, you know, more kind of like graphic design-based typography or graphic illustration and 8-bit illustration. Um, even kind of like referencing things from the past, kind of using the medium as the message. Again, using neon strip typography and some kind of like watercolor work. Tattoos, more 3D. Um, so like, you know, this, this project was a great exercise to kind of like test out our whole team and the whole TBWA network and an illustrator, Alex Troshot, we worked with on this, like kind of all of our different styles and add kind of like variety over the same format. A few more. And then I'm gonna play a little film that wraps it up and then shows you then how you can push this even further. Um, J is for jokes, so um, why not use your typography to tell a visual joke? Like try creating a visual pun from purely just the letters and words, like try not to add anything else. These are some great examples I stumbled across. Again, just using typography, nothing else. That's what's incredible about these. Um, so kind of like combining letters, starting to get a bit tenuous. but. Um, K and L, kerning and lead in are ways to manipulate the space in between characters. K 
Kernan is the space in, in between individual um, characters. Ledin is the space in between the baselines of type. And the term Ledin is derived from the practice of placing lead strips between the lines of type and traditional um, hand set printing presses such as letterpress. Um, and here's an example when you know it goes horribly wrong, but great at the same time. Um, M is for um, medium is the message. Um, it was a phrase coined by Marshall McLuhan, um, meaning the form of a medium embeds itself in the message. This was like, actually a book I read when I was studying many, many moons ago. And it really inspired me with like, everything I do is like, to really kind of like, use type to drive the meaning and the message of the project and what you're talking about. Um, so again, another example. This was, we know this fizzy drink, um, Coke Zero. Um, they came to us and they, they were kind of a bit fatigued with all of these beautiful drinking shots that they had. You know, like how many more shot times could we shoot the bottle pouring and the glass? So they, they asked us to look at it in a different way. How could we drive appetite appeal, but, you know, let people know that it's still the same brand. So we looked at typography. And like the way, way we looked at this, again, putting the medium in the message, we're like literally going to use everything you need to enjoy a Coke Zero. So, you know, we're looking at could we use ice cubes? Could they be kind of dropping into the liquid instead? Could we literally be telling people the feeling as well by using the words? Um, again, these were kind of like the initial sketches, the direction we wanted to do, where we wanted to go. That one looks grosser than it turned out, but... Okay. We then, um, you remember, you may remember his name, Sean Freeman, amazing typographer, just around the corner. We should all pop in and say hello later. Um, but yeah, he always seemed like the perfect person because like, what, what he does is he's amazing at just experimenting, getting his hands dirty, playing with any material. It could be slime, bricks, cake, paint. Um, he hadn't played with Coca-Cola, so this was like a great excuse to bring him in board. So we actually kind of like threw those sketches at him, and then he came back with like a little bit of a treatment. This was like his first page from the original treatment that he shared with us. So he actually even got out, bought some ice cube trays. Um, didn't like the F in the middle because it looked like some of the maybe like spat in the Coca-Cola, but hey, it's part of the process. And then we started to actually, once we had, you know, like, settled on the sketches, got them approved by the client, we then actually started making, like, he, he made some acrylic letters, which were about this big, the whole alphabet, and then he created ice cube trays from kind of the same material you use to kind of, like, mold, you know, like, teeth, um, new teeth, fake teeth. Um, and these are some of the process shots. So like sometimes we used ice, sometimes we used acrylic, sometimes we had to put like materials like sugar in there, honey, salt, just to see how it would react to try and get like the most appetizing um, materials. This was, I think we had, we shot two and a half thousand images of just kind of like pouring Coca-Cola. We, we must have bought probably a truck's worth of Coke for this um, project. Because the thing is, like, as soon as you start reacting, it like runs out of like the carbonation, so then you have to get some more. Also, the problem with the ice was you had about like a minute to use it, because then it would just like melt and look a bit gross and a bit sad. So then we had to keep freezing and freezing. I think he bought two massive freezers just for this project. And then the final output. 
So this is, you can kind of see how close they were to the sketches. There was a lot of like photo compos um, compositing involved in this. So it wasn't just, we didn't capture that in one frame. It would have been amazing if we could, but it was very much kind of retouched and put together in post. Um, N is for negative space. So, you know, a wonderful and unexpected way to tell a story and convey your message within typography is to hijack the negative space that surrounds it or lives within it. It's a great way of kind of like forcing in another story. Again, kind of um, putting a concept in there. Um, this is, you know, following that example, this was a great campaign um, from an agency that kind of for Fiat, which was all about kind of don't text and drive. It's a great way to kind of like fill the bowls, the negative space, some of the elements that surround it with, you know, the objects that, that could cause you to crash. And then even, you know, purely graphical example, like this USA logo is kind of a smart use of how they actually kind of like put all the three letters together. Um, FedEx, we're probably all aware of the little arrow sneaking in between the, um, the E and the X. O is for organic. So designers and typographers are getting, you know, super creative with ways to bring typography to life. And over the last few years, I've seen type experiments playing around with actual kind of like organic and living materials, which is incredible. So one of the other typographers I mentioned, Craig Ward, he's incredible. Like you should check out his uh, check out his work. Um, he kind of started to, had this idea to play with bacteria. And there's actually a little clip I've got from a documentary, which is about how he went off to create it. My work wants to be a mix of typography and photography and illustration. I find a lot of people from a lot of different areas, some mediums, some models, some platforms. I've seen a photograph from a researcher for April Summers handprints in Korea, which obviously working with type a lot.
So yeah, typography is like a couple of the, the static examples, but back to kind of like E, experiment, like get out there and just start playing with like weird and crazy and unexpected techniques or ways to use or bring typography to life. But it's like really beautiful as well how he art directed this. It could have been kind of gross and ugly, but it actually, you know, like you said, looked like mini worlds. Um, peers for pattern, so another great technique to consider is um, injecting typography of patterns. You know, they could, they could add just a graphical dimension to your work, but they could also become slightly conceptual. Um, so again, what I love about this example is like it is purely graphic, letter D, but it just adds so much depth and motion to the piece and just like draws you in and messes with your eyes a little bit. Um, another example is this phrase kind of like taking this phrase and then using patterns to actually bring the typography to life. And then, I don't even know if we have, this is how old I am, like we used to have RSS feeds. Not sure any of you know what they are nowadays. And then Q, um, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. So this is like a pangram, which is essentially, you know, it's important as a typographer knowing this or a designer. It's, it's a sentence that is made up from all of the letters of the alphabet. R is for readability. So, um, you know, urge you to push the readability to the edge. You can always kind of like reel it back in, but ironically, pushing the limits of readability can, can reveal something new. I remember like when I was a junior designer starting out, I always wanted to make my typography like perfect and kind of just the right size, not too big, not too small, but just kind of like modest enough. And I had like this crazy creative director sitting, he was like a bit bog-eyed and sitting over my shoulder and he was just basically telling me to fuck it up. He was like, fuck it up, fuck it up. And I'd like make it like twice the size and he'd be like, keep fucking it up. And then three times and then it was like cropped off the page and then he told me I really fucked it up. But the, the, the trick is we ended up like going back down and finding like the right size. Instead of it being modest, it was actually kind of like bold and graphic and became like the centerpiece of the ad that we were, that we were, we were off creating. So it just kind of like opened my eyes up to like when we were kind of playing with typography, it's just like push it to the edge. Like you can always pull it back, like you haven't ruined it. So just make that part of your process. Um, S is for symbolic. So, you know, use typography to create something symbolic. Use typography to convey a powerful and meaningful um, message. So we worked on this um, project um, to, like, in memory of Gilbert Baker, the creator of the rainbow flag, and we wanted to put the same principles of um, the rainbow flag into typography. So creating something that was essentially open source, but then would, you know, allow people to actually kind of share their pride, but share their pride with typography. Is another short film.
I'm always like, amazed every year, like when I log on to DNAD and see the shortlists that like kind of there's so many, you know, typographic projects that are kind of being used in a symbolic way. So, you know, there's normally kind of like three to 10 every year, kind of like totally unexpected ways to actually kind of like put meaning into typography. Um, T is for typesetting. So typesetting essentially means the composition of text. Designers, you know, should consider font size, weight, kerning, leading, line breaks, punctuation. Good typesetting can make or break any piece of communication. It's like key to legibility and readability. So this is like a great example, you know, of, of really good and bad typography. Good typography almost kind of being invisible. Bad typography is everywhere. And then these are just some examples of when it goes horribly wrong. Is poor, poor Kurt. Um, so U is for upcycle. Um, sometimes you can use existing typographic elements from your brand or campaign to create entirely new messages and visuals. Um, Google have been doing this for like over a decade, for you know pretty much every day. It's pretty amazing that it still kind of like retains the brand mark, the logo, the form, even though they kind of like switched it halfway through. But it still has the same feeling, but just has a different message each day, which is great. Another example really envious of was when like Nike wanted to launch, you know, their New York store. Great way again, just using the typographic elements that were already there. Um, v is for vector. So vector graphics are not made up of a grid of pixels. Instead, they're comprised of paths, um, which are defined by a start and endpoint. When I'm talking about vector, well, we use these paths to define and create the characters of typefaces. Um, w is for writers. So I can't present the talk about typography without recognizing the people behind the words. So um, writers and designers should work really closely together from my experience. You know, sometimes a writer will need to change or tweak the copy purely because the designer, the typesetting just isn't working or even vice versa. So it's like, you know, creatives, when you kind of like get into your, your design studios, your advertising agencies, your in-house design teams, kind of like make sure you work really closely with writers and respect their craft and get them to understand and respect yours too as well. So become a team because that really has a huge impact on like the output. Um, X, we're starting to get a bit tenuous now. You may have noticed this. Um, cross it out. So if it's not working, just like cross it out and try something different. If you're not afraid to fail, experiment or try something that feels outside of your comfort zone, it can lead to something unexpected but wonderful. And then why is like years, years and years and years of practice, like I've been in the industry for about, I don't know, 12, 14 years now and definitely still need to keep refining my kind of like approach and skill and keep like every year, every month, like you discover new unexpected ways to use typography or ways to better your, your typographic understanding and approach. And then we're finally at the end. I always put this one up after. I didn't actually have anything for Z, but I did this presentation a few years ago and someone genuinely fell asleep at the back of the room. So um, that's why that's there. Thanks. Thank you so much, Chris, for broadening the way that we think about typography. Um, we do have a few minutes um, for some questions. Uh, Chris does have to run off quite promptly, but we have got time. So if you do have a question for him, just raise your hand and I'll come over with the mic. Anyone?
Don't hold back. <laughs> Great. You were talking about how the, the idea, <coughs> sorry, I lost my voice, transitions from into the campaign and you try and uh, breed the brand into the typeface. Do you find yourself kind of looking at definitions online and, and um, so when you're trying to convey the message, like, is it a lot of just kind of Googling this word or this meaning, like with the Gilbert stuff and what he stood for? And, and then there was the refresh, like the Coke thing. So trying to find the word that, that ties the whole campaign together. Um, so like, is it all about like definition that sums that up? Yeah, I think, I think that's always a great place to start is kind of like find what are those like brand words or what are the words that are related to the product and actually, yeah, dig deep and find their definitions. I think, I think kind of like ideating concepts in off like the brief when you get it is really important. But before you even like get into that, I think kind of really understanding your brand. Learn about like the history of the brand. Learn about if it's a product, the ingredients of the brand. Uh, learn about how it's made. Think about the people who interact with it. Think about the feelings that they give you. So like the Coke stuff was very like sensorial driven. We use like a lot of onomatopoeias. So we kind of like really thought about like what are all of those kind of like, when you kind of like open a Coke, what are all of those kind of touch points? So it's like everything from you touch it and it's like icy cold in the fridge to when you like crack open and you get that little spray that psh, so like when you pour it on the ice and it kind of like fizzes or like the ice cubes dunk underneath. So it's kind of really like unpack your product, really unpack your brand and yeah, like um, research and look into definitions. Great, any other questions at all? No, amazing, well thank Great. you Chris, <laughs> again. Cool, thank you so much. <laughs>